and you can't contain it. You know, so many times it just, you know, it starts with running. It starts with this one little mile, this one little race that you decide to do. And it just spills out into all these other aspects of your life. Hi, my name is Jeremy Stevens, and this is the For Love of Running podcast. Each episode, I interview one runner and learn their story behind the miles. Hey guys, this is your host, Jeremy Stevens. I hope you're doing well. Today, my guest is a former collegiate runner and coach for Loyola University. She also has experience pacing marathons. I met her years ago when I ran with Back on My Feet Baltimore. She worked for the organization as the director of the Baltimore chapter. She recently moved to Ohio and balances a busy professional and family life, raising two young children. Welcome to the For Love of Running podcast, Jackie Range. Thank you so much, Jeremy. It's great to be with you. It's awesome to finally connect. It's been a while. Yep. So let's just start back at the beginning. Where did you grow up? I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia, um, so uh, Exton, PA, a small town. Um, it was just a perfectly quaint, quaint little town. And did you play a lot of sports and things growing up? I did, yeah. I mean, it was a wonderful community, and um, we played rec soccer and softball and basketball. Got into everything, loved to be active, so I was grateful to have that, that opportunity um, to kind of get out and get exposed to sports at an early age. And so growing up for you, it was playing like a lot of different team sports. When did you realize that you were interested in running or how did you first get involved in running? So I don't think I realized it, but um, I was playing team sports for our parish. Um, and my my dad, who's, who's very practical, um, he thought that it would be a great idea for me and my brother to run track, to stay in shape for these other sports that we played. Now we were in third grade, fourth grade, you know, fitness is not top on our mind. You know, I was always like, dad, this is, this is dumb. I don't, I don't want to run track. I don't want to, you know, and he's like, no, no, just try it. It'll keep you in shape. It'll be great. And so, you know, of course at that age, they just like plop you in the hundred and see what you can do. And, uh, I was terrible. I did not have any wheels. So, you know, I was, I was not thrilled with my first exposure to track. So, you know, it comes around to the fall season and my dad's like, well, why don't you try cross country? It'll be great for soccer. It'll be great for basketball. You'll, you know, be in shape. It's like, dad, no, I don't want to run anymore. This, I just want to, you know, I just want to play these sports, team sports. And um, he convinced me to run cross country, which is an entirely different sport than track. And, you know, so it was probably fourth grade. I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is really cool. And, you know, I'm not awful at it. Uh, and so I kind of stuck with track that kind of filtered into the, you know, the sports cycle as well, or stuck with cross country. Um, and that kind of filtered in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I, it was fun. I can't say that I, I loved it or I, I knew where I was going with, like, I, I didn't understand at that point, the significant impact it would have in my life, but I was very grateful for the nudge to give it a try. That's pretty awesome that they had programs at that young of age like elementary school level where you could run cross country because I haven't heard of that too much I've heard of fun runs and things like that and usually middle school the programs get a little bit more organized Mm -hmm. did they give out awards and things for these races or was it just like get out there get active that kind of thing oh yeah I mean they had like it was um the CYO program so Catholic Youth Organization and they had 
ribbons and medals and, you know, your CYO championships. And I mean, I remember traveling, you know, I traveled to nationals. I went to Chicago and Indiana and got to compete. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was really competitive and kind of at an early age, you know, kind of gives you that opportunity to realize, oh, wow, like, you know, if I, if I could make it to nationals, like, I'm not, I'm not terrible at this, you know, this is actually kind of cool. So it was early success for you that kind of made that light bulb go off like, hey, this is fun because I'm doing well and I'm feeling good when I'm doing this. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I made it easy to return to each year. It was not uh, as big of a struggle as it was to get out there initially. So I'm, I'm assuming that you went from elementary school to middle school and continued up and then you ran in high school as well? Yep, ran in high school. Um, I played a little basketball in high school, um, but also but ran cross country and um, and indoor track when I got cut from the basketball team, and then also outdoor track. So yeah, I mean we had a, our high school was uh, an excellent team, excellent coaches, and yeah, I was just kind of grateful to to get to learn from them. And uh, yeah, I mean I feel like I don't think I realize a passion for the sport. But, you know, I think and I know you coach high school and I just feel like you have such an important role because you're kind of helping this, like the the love of the sport to blossom. You know, like kids don't really know what they're doing with it. They don't, you know, they just do it because it's cool. Their friends are doing it. Um, But like, you know, to kind of allow kids the space to enjoy the sport and fall in love with the sport and kind of push them up to the line of their potential, but not pushing them too far over it so that they leave, you know, frustrated or hating it. Like, you know, it's just such an important role of, of the high school coach. And, you know, my coaches, I just credit them with, with that, you know, that kind of putting me in a place and setting me up to just fall in love with the sport as I got older. That's such a great explanation. And you can hear the enthusiasm and the passion in your voice that you definitely had coaches that cared. And I, you know, I coach cross country at the high school level and there's so many different types of coaches out there. And you do see the ones that are like super professional and very hard on their runners. And, you know, they really are maybe pushing their, their kids in a way that it's not as much fun. I hope that, you know, I'm a coach that allows our runners to, to really love the sport because what we want them to do, especially at a high school level is to do this long-term. We don't want to burn them out. Right. So that's kind of what my philosophy is turning into, but I guess time will tell with that. What was your high school experience like? It sounds like it was really a positive thing where you felt like you were part of a team. You had coaches that cared, but what was your, what were the results like? Did it, was this something where you continued to do well and, and get better? In high school, I was decent you know, not, I was, I was good enough to be the weak leg on a four by four by eight team. Um, I mean, we just had some really outstanding runners, um, which, you know, that, what more can you ask for at the high school level to kind of just be surrounded by that much talent, especially on a cross country field where you need seven deep. But yeah, I mean, runners that would, that would push me. It's, it's not like I was the standout, but I was, you know, good enough to kind of hang on the coattails of the, of the runners that were ahead of me, um, who would get out there and push me. So yeah, I mean, that kind of combined with just stellar coaching. Yeah, really kind of just set the wheels in motion that like, oh, I, I, I think that I want to do this in college. You know, I really I love the people that I've met. I love, you know, who the sport allows me to surround myself with. And so, um, you know, I was definitely committed to I left high school being committed to pursuing it versus questioning whether I wanted to continue. So for anyone out there that is not familiar with cross country, basically your top seven runners are the ones that score 
especially in like the championship season, they actually score your your top five, but then your other two count with tiebreakers and things like that. So Jackie, you were one of those seven runners usually, not not like one, two, three, but maybe like towards towards the five, six, seven place on your team. Yeah, if I if I remember right, we had um yeah, I mean I had some great peers who were my year. I know we had some stud freshmen that came in and and tore it up. So, um there's always a good mix, always somebody to always somebody to chase and always somebody to pull along. So somewhere somewhere in that mix of the seven. That's the cool thing about cross country is it's a team sport. Like running a lot of times we think of it's like this individual thing, like your results are your own results, especially like once you get beyond, you know, high school or college. But with cross country it's very team oriented. Like you're only as good as your fifth or seventh person and you have to really work together to, to do well. Yeah. You know, your sixth and seventh runners are often, you know, like they can't be written off. They are, you know, they're, they're the, the bumpers, the tiebreakers. Um, yeah. It's just, I don't know, as a running nerd, it's, <laughs> it's such an exciting sport. The first year that I coached cross country, we lost, by four points in the regional meet to another high school in the state championship meet. We rematched them because we were a similar size uh, high school and we tied our first five runners tied. Oh, wow. And our six and seven beat them. And I just remember like, all right, well, that's why it matters. Yeah. It takes all seven. Right. It really takes more than those seven because you have all the other runners that help push and practice and, and encourage and support and, and they're there for you. And, when you need it. Right, right. You mentioned before that you kind of realized, hey, I want to continue running in college. So what was that process like for you when you were in high school? Were you recruited or did you have to reach out to other uh, colleges that you were interested in? What did that go like? Both. I mean, I knew, I, you know, I'd kind of made the decision. I knew I wanted to run. I knew I wasn't going to be able to to run at a, at a Villanova or a Georgetown. You know, I would be ride in the bench. I <laughs> wouldn't be, wouldn't, you know, be in their top seven uh, or even come close, but there, you know, are plenty of smaller D1 schools. You know, I wanted a school that I'd feel comfortable at. You know, I wanted a Catholic school. Loyola, a few, a few um, of the Jesuit schools that I was looking at did happen to recruit me and, you know, and just felt like a good fit, you know, something smaller. Loyola at the time only had a cross country team, which was a drawback, but also a really cool dynamic, um, at least my freshman, sophomore year. So, as far as the the team element of it, you know, to 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 be recruited and to get to go on a trip and get to meet the team, that was the kicker for me to to having made the commitment to run to find the team that I felt comfortable on and felt like oh I could I could make a difference here and I also like these are the people that I want to surround myself with um, you know and feel like I have a family from the jump my freshman year so yeah the pieces certainly fell into place for uh, for Loyola and did you visit a lot of schools or did you only kind of go to the top two, top three that you were interested in? I remember doing recruiting trips for, um, I think it was Fairfield and St. Joe's, Scranton maybe, which is not D1, and then and then Loyola. I mean, there's maybe maybe four or five um, that I went to to kind of get a vibe of their, of their team and their coach and their program. You know, I'm grateful for that opportunity um, to kind of at least be on, you know, a coach's radar enough to, to come on an official visit and, um, yeah, I get to get to just kind of feel my way around. Like you're just so overwhelmed as a as a senior in high school figuring this out. Um, and so that was just really influential in the decision to uh, where to go, you know, to kind of have that comfort level going in. 
and that visit really stood out to you. You felt felt like it was the right fit with the teammates and with the coach that you met. Yeah, I'm, I still, um, I mean, I credit my host with um, being the reason that I went there. I'm still in touch with her. Uh, I still run with her. Um, you know, she was, she's still such a dear friend. Um, but, you know, like you, you go there and you're just kind of doe-eyed as, as a, as a incoming freshman trying to figure it all out and to have someone who, you know, you relate to and is just compassionate and kind of takes you under their wing. Um, even as just a recruit, you know, just on a recruiting weekend, um, I was like, oh, I could be teammates with her. I, I want to run with her, run for her, run alongside her. Um, and so that made, made a huge difference, um, in, in seeing myself there. So what was your experience like over the time that you were there? You said that they only had a cross-country team like the first couple years. So I'm guessing it eventually they got track and field. So describe your experience. I love Loyola in that, you know, as you know, it is, is a D1 school. It's a smaller school. Um, and it's, you know, it's not, especially at the time I was there, like it wasn't as most cross-country programs are, like it's not very well funded, you know, so it's tough to really recruit the top talent. You've got to recruit somebody who's, who likes the team and is willing to pay a lot of money to go to the school uh you know like it's it's a tough sell recruiting wise you know when you're competing with people who have fully funded programs so but i love the aspect that um you know they're not going to recruit in your your maybe a list athletes you know a lot of times you know we'll see your b or your c list athletes uh on paper but it is a school that offered you the opportunity to make something of yourself if you wanted to while I probably would never have run on a varsity team at another school, um, to have the opportunity to kind of see varsity within reach and to kind of, you know, find that passion, that motivation within myself. Like it was a school that offered me the opportunity to do that. And so, you know, I've run with teammates, I've coached teammates there who, you know, came in, like never would have gotten a second look as, as an athlete, as a recruited athlete, um, and have gone on to win, conference championships, um, you know, regional championships, um, have gone on to the Olympic trials. So, you know, just really those diamonds in the rough that like, it just, yeah, just offers you the opportunity to kind of let that, that passion and that talent develop. And so I feel like it was a school that, that offered me that, you know, even being, being recruited, I don't think I was near an A-list athlete, but, um, you know, I got there and they pushed me and just allowed me the space to work my tail off and, and kind of see what I could become. Um, and so, you know, that combined with a team of people who was willing to do that. Um, we had just an outstanding junior season, uh, sophomore season, junior season. Yeah. Just an outstanding team that kind of went from a bunch of ragtags to, to winning our conference and, you know, really being able to push each other. So yeah, that was at least on the cross country front. In track and field, my junior and senior year, we got indoor and outdoor track. And so it's tough to compete in a cross-country season without running the full year round. You know, it's tough to compete at a D1 level when, you know, you don't have a formal rigorous program that that continues on through the the spring and the and the winter. So, you know, I think having that that circle completed and starting to to be able to train year round just offered us the opportunity to to grow and and to develop as athletes um, that we might have been a little bit confined to um, in just the cross country season. There was a lot of great stuff in there. I want to touch on a couple of things. Yeah. The personality that you described of the team maybe being overlooked or uh, diamonds in the rough. Do you feel like the team embodied that personality and that maybe helped you guys bond and and work towards winning that championship? Or did you guys recognize that at the time when you were a part of the team? 
I think so. I think, you know, we were kind of generally seen as the underdogs. I mean, it's a very small conference, but, you know, at the time when it's, when it's your conference, it's monumental. Um, but we were in uh, what was called the MAC conference. We competed against schools like uh, Iona, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with. They were just perennial powerhouses. I mean, they recruited overseas. They had, I mean, just stud runners and, you know, it's, can compete against them when you pull a team of seven people together who are all you know who are all pulling their weight you know it was just uh, it was just such a crowning moment of of my college career uh is seeing like that six person cross the line that seven person cross the line and you're just counting you know you're just counting the people um and to pull off that upset i think you know again embodies that idea of like you know, we didn't have a stud that won that won that particular race. You know, we, we couldn't compete with those the, t- the top three people that Iona put across the line. But when you put four, five, six, seven, eight, like that's the team kind of coming together and really embodying that like, oh, I can do this. You know, we, we have the power to do this, you know, individually and I, we have the power to do this together. That's the beauty of cross country, right? It only matters how many people can you how many athletes can you get across before the other team it doesn't necessarily matter if you're in first place or second place right it matters can we get those five girls or those seven girls across yeah. that's awesome so i'm guessing i probably know the answer to this question but what season did you like the most cross country oh, cross country <laughs> yeah 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 i mean i'm so grateful for the experiences on the track i think you know it makes you you know a much more well-rounded athlete i got to test out the steeplechase. And, you know, um, I was also, I just preferred the longer distances. So the 10 K on the track is a hard, <laughs> it's a lot of laps, but yeah, I mean, cross country, just, there's no substitute for that team aspect. It just gets a little bit more dispersed across the track elements, you know, between throwing and jumps and, you know, you just can't replace kind of the team of a distance, distance runners that come together, um, you know, to make, to make magic happen. So yeah, I'm biased across country. Sure. So how has running changed for you after college or how did it change for you after college? You know, what, what did you do after you graduated? And, you know, you said some of your teammates went on and they went to the Olympic trials and they pursued maybe a career in running. So what did you, what path did you take? You know, above all, I think I'm I'm just grateful to have picked a sport that is, is, easy to do beyond, you know, I don't, I don't think I saw that at the time thinking, oh, I'm going to make a career of this. But, you know, I knew I love the sport and wanted to do what I could with it. And I'm grateful to have picked a sport that offers all those opportunities, you know, not every sport um, you can, you can say that about. So just after college, I actually moved abroad and I lived in Micronesia um, with the Jesuit volunteers for two years. And so, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't racing. I wasn't training. It was a complete step back from the lifestyle that I knew. I would still get up and run before before the sun came up because it was super hot and humid and that was the only time that you could do it. You know, I would run with a bunch of my, I was very blessed to have a few community mates that were also runners. And so we would drag each other out and that was our way to, to bond and talk and start the day and, you know, process thoughts and, and emotions. Um, and so, you know, it took on a very different role, but, it, you know, equally essential and kind of getting through the day-to-day out there um, and and fostering lifelong friendships of, you know, people that I continue to run with today. It was nice to take a step back and not have the pressure of of competing and training, but kind of recognize the steady rhythm that it was playing in my life and would continue to play in my life. That's important because I feel like a lot of times I talk to people who might have run in college and Sometimes there's there's a high level of burnout, right? Mm-hmm. You're performing and competing at such a high level 
that when you do have the opportunity to finally have that choice, oftentimes the choice is not to run at all. Yeah. So maybe having that time for you to like sit, step back and make it more of like an exploration thing as a thing where you can reflect. It helped you where now, you know, since then, right after your time abroad, you came back and I'm, you, you went back to training, right? Yeah. You want to talk about that? And then you also, I know you, you went back to Loyola and became a coach at one point. Yeah. So I came back and I mean, you know, obviously always had that love of running and at a spot at the school opened up and, you know, I didn't necessarily think, oh, I'm going to make a lifelong career of coaching, but to get to coach at your alma mater, um, you know, I wasn't, wasn't going to turn that down. Um, so I was young, naive and inexperienced and, um, but just loved every second of getting to go back there. It's tough to be around athletes who are competing and giving it their all and not feel a little bit of that too. And so, you know, having had, had two years, not off, but you know, your body's rested and recovered. And, you know, I was so curious about this, this beast of the marathon. I wanted to try that out. You know, it really just kind of set me in the path to, yeah, to, to get back into training and, and see what this new world of, of post-collegiate running and competing at the marathon level looked like. So, so yeah, it was awesome to get to do workouts with the kids and then, you know, go out and do long runs on the weekend you know, my entire world just revolved around running, you know, for several, several, several years, at least uh, with Loyola. So how did that experience as a coach, how did that help your own running personally? It sounds like you got the opportunity to work out with the team. And then you also probably learn more about the training principles and designing a plan and things like that. Do you want to talk about that in a little bit more detail? I think it's different, you know, when you're trying to adapt um, to a large team, a large group of people, when you're working on a training plan for yourself, you can kind of make the tweaks to adapt to your specific needs. But when it's a broader audience, I think it's a little bit tougher. At that point, you're responsible for all of the different disciplines for, you know, figuring out what what the sprinters needs and the the throwers need. Um, So I would say it was just a huge learning curve. I can't say that I directly took a lot away. Um, it was just kind of finding this balance between, you know, how can I support the runners? How, like, if it is running with them going to, is that going to help make them better? Is it going to help support them? Or is it going to detract from their workout? You know, would I be better off kind of standing off to the side and coaching and kind of, you know, keeping an eye on their, their form, their breathing, things like that. So yeah, I mean, I would say it's a, it was a delicate balance of trying to, to do my own running and training, but also, you know, be the best coach that I could for these girls. But also, I mean, I was young, I was so young when I started coaching and, oh, I just had so much more to learn. When I look back at that time, I'm not like, oh my gosh, I learned all of the principles of running and training and it was wonderful. I just, you know, I was only there for three years and I just still had so much more to learn by the time that I left. Um, So I was just very young and naive. (laughs) There's always more to learn. I don't think any coach knows all the answers because everyone is so different and every athlete responds so differently to your training plan and the workouts and what you prepare. Do you think that your coaching experience, even that you're young and naive, like you described, do you think it helped you give your own self-confidence to create your own marathon plans and your own training plans for yourself going on? Because I would imagine before all that, you had a coach who created everything and said, this is what we're doing today. Here's the workout. Mm-hmm. Do you feel, feel like that helped you? Yeah, I think to help learn the basics. I mean, I think, you know, the marathon is a different, different beast. So you're not necessarily coaching marathoners, but I think it kind of started down that track of giving you the confidence, like, oh, I was, I was a coach. I should be able to figure this out. You know, and it was kind of understanding some of the basic 
physiology and like the principles of it to, to start down that path. So let's talk about the marathon. So you said you were interested in the beast of the marathon. So what was your first marathon experience like? Where, what race did you do? And, you know, kind of how did you, how did that progress from there? Because you're still running marathons today, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, hopefully once the, the world returns to, to racing again. No, yeah. That, that's still part of your life. I mean, I just remembered... Ah, like the feeling of your first one. Like I just remember this overwhelming sense of awe, even, even leading up to it, making the decision to do one of just like, oh my gosh, like they, they're, they run 26 miles. Like it was just this, this awe of the marathoner, you know, and I just coveted that title. (laughs) I mean, it was just kind of beautiful fuel and motivation. And also like, you know, it wasn't a sticker on the car. It wasn't like a notch in the belt. Like it was just kind of the, the feeling of like, I, I did it, you know, I did 26.2 miles, which, you know, I think that phrase alone is, is a recurring theme. Like the confidence that you capture from just those three words is so powerful. And so I think that's something that I craved and just, just wanted to like, let's see what you could do, you know? Um, and so I think there's also just that beauty of un- untapped potential um, that you just kind of like, run at, you you know you train your face off um you put all of these miles in and it's just like you don't even know what you could do you know like it's just this blank slate going in i decided to do the charlottesville marathon which is a super hilly course down in virginia with a friend of mine who's also running his first marathon and i oh, it's, it's so funny i actually sent him a text recently i was like do you remember when we did our first marathons together like and i just i remember the night before just like doing backflips in in my bed I was so excited like I just couldn't get out there to like do it and and accomplish it yeah it's just like a feeling that I won't soon forget you know it was never a question of like oh gosh I don't know if I can finish it like I put the work in I had trained um it was just kind of like oh let's see what you can do out here so yeah just such a beautiful experience which I'm so grateful for because I know that's not everyone's experience their first time but you know obviously a a wonderful enough experience to be like oh well let's let's see what else you can do <laughs> let's keep rolling with this you just described glowingly the Charlottesville marathon so I'm guessing the experience went well it made you want to continue running marathons do you remember you know, how that day went? Did it, did you have a time goal? Was it just finish the marathon? Like what was your mindset besides being super excited for the challenge going in? What was that like? You know, I think with most first timers, um, it's tough to set a time goal. You're just really not sure. Yeah. I don't remember having anything in mind. Um, I just remember the day kind of going perfectly, but I don't remember having a plan, you know, like I was just too young and too new to the sport that I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go and run hard for 26 miles and see what happens. Yeah, I just remember it being positive. I don't remember a wall. I remember loving that feeling at the end where, you know, unless you kind of done that marathon for the first time and you're like, oh, this is what your legs feel like afterwards. You know, there's part of you that that hates it because it hurts, but there's this part of you that's like, oh, I worked so hard for this burn. Remember being beautiful weather, perfectly sunny day, absolutely gorgeous course. Yeah, I mean, things going perfectly, but not necessarily according to plan, because I think I was just too too new to the sport to have one. Yeah. You mentioned so much in there about like the first marathon. It's give, it's given me flashbacks to like mm-hmm. when I ran Baltimore for the first time. And, and like you said, the way that you feel at the end, there's a satisfaction in that discomfort, in that heaviness of your legs. 
And for me, when I finished Baltimore, I just remember like feeling like I was spent. I remember I found a chair somewhere and I just sat down in the chair and I was just like, wow, this is what it feels like. And there's some sort of, you just feel proud and satisfied that, hey, you did this with your body. And that kind of connected with what you were saying earlier with that untapped potential. I feel like so many people don't realize that human beings have all this untapped potential. And if you put in the work when it comes to a marathon, and if you put in the work when it comes to running, you get to have a glimpse sometimes of what that feels like and what those results are. So that's really cool. You're retelling that. I can like picture it. So clearly that was a, that was a very special day for you. Yeah. So would you say the marathon as it is right now is probably one of your favorite race distances. Hands down, hands down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it definitely comes through in, in the way that you described the race for sure. Have you ever gone beyond a marathon distance? I haven't, I haven't had a strong desire to, I kind of want to run out the marathon and um, squeeze every bit of, at least, you know, ra- of racing it that I can. But yeah, I I can't say it's off the table. I just have not ventured in that territory yet. Sure. Run fast while you still have speed in your legs. I totally understand that mindset. You're in the prime. Yeah. I know we had, we've talked a little bit offline about this, but you got into pacing marathons. It's a distance you love, so that makes sense. So talk about how that happened, you know, from maybe running Charlottesville and then as that evolved like how did you get into pacing marathons i think you did the baltimore marathon a few times and then you also said that you paced the the national cliff team so why don't you talk about why you chose that and what that experience has been like for you yeah oh it's just such a fulfillment of a different kind um so i so i ran charlottesville in 2008 and i mean kind of trained and and raced competitively for several years um over the next four or five years or so and then actually um, PR'd in the Philly marathon in 2012. Um, I did it with the pace team. I still remember the pacer that day. I, you know, I was not one who was going to cozy up next to him and chat his ear off. I just, I needed to know he was there. Um, and I, I used him in the race as I needed to, and kind of executed, you know, in retrospect, just, just a, a really flawless race that I was super proud of. Um, but I remember finishing and being like, who are those pacers because I could not have done it without him. Couldn't find him at the end, um, but I went back online and looked him up um, and it was the the cliff team. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't know what it takes to get on this team, but I was just like, I want to do that. How do I apply? Uh, and they're like, well, you have no experience. So, so I got in touch with the local pace team, the Baltimore pacers who, who do a bunch of uh, gigs in the area. And so they were so gracious to to take a chance on me and let me on. And I mean, there's just some really seasoned runners and pacers on that team um, that I just got to learn a whole bunch from about, about what it means and, you know, how to do it and how to do it right. And so I, I paced with them for a few years and then I reapplied to the cliff team. And so then I was kind of, you know, I had dual, dual citizenship on both of these teams to get to pace the hometown race in Baltimore and then also just see the world, see, see the country pacing races kind of taking a step back from my own training and give me time to figure out where I was with that, but being able to just support others in, in reaching their goals the same way someone supported me. I will continue. I would love to continue to do it, to do it forever. Cause it is just, it's such a privilege and a gift 
to to get to encourage people and and support people on their on their journey. I just know I know how empowering it is, and so um, to be able to offer a tiny little piece of that gift uh, is just such a joy. Well, you experienced the benefits of it, you know, before you even joined. So you know what it's like to be that runner to have the pacers help you. But now you've also have the experience of being the pacer to help the runners, uh, you know, other athletes accomplish their goals. So that's really pretty incredible to be on both sides of that. Yeah, very grateful for that. Definitely a huge shout out to Pacers everywhere. Uh, my brother, he ran the in the Austin Marathon. It was in February. And it was his second marathon. And I kind of coached him remotely. And we had an idea, you know, he could probably maybe run a 330 to 340. And that pace crew there helped him. He ran like a great race, like 330 on the nose. It, it was a great day for him. And that really helped him. And it's just funny hearing you talk about pacing in marathons. I'm sure you've had a lot of different experiences with that. I've run three marathons. and I don't think I've ever used a pace group. And I regret that because in Baltimore, my first one, I remember like taking it like kind of easy. I had like a pace band on my wrist and like had a watch and was trying to figure it out. And I remember talking to someone kind of around the halfway point. I was like, yeah, I'm hoping to run a 3.30. You know, that's like an eight minute pace per mile. I think I could do that. And I remember the person saying like, well, you better pick it up. And then I just was like, okay. And I just oh. picked it up. And somehow in the end, I, I did run a 3.30. I don't know how I, I hit that number. I, I'd have to go back wow. and maybe dig up the splits. But And then my second one, I did Philly. And I don't know if I went out with a pace group, but I, I fell apart in that race. And then my third one, I did the NCR trail one, and they didn't have a pace, pace team then. But right. that worked out. that worked out well. But I definitely have used pace pacing groups in smaller races like the Baltimore 10 miler and some other ones. And they're invaluable. They, they do an amazing job of helping you accomplish your goals. Yeah. So you've had a lot of experience pacing marathons, racing marathons. What are some of maybe like your top three, like marathon memories through the years? I mean, I will say, I would say the majority of them are probably going to come out of the Baltimore marathon, um, getting to run with the back on my feet team. Uh, it just, yeah. I mean, back on my feet as an organization that kind of helps support individuals experiencing homelessness and recovery from addiction, they use running and community to kind of help set them on a path forward. And, you know, as a sport that I just, I can't think of one that's more empowering to get to see people go from a detox unit into a facility, start running with us in the spring and set their mind to running a half marathon or a full marathon. Um, and that culminating in weeks and months of sweat and miles and effort and just putting one foot in front of the other, you know, as their training comes together and as their sobriety comes together and, you know, as, as their life starts to come back together, there's just uh, nothing more empowering or inspiring than to see them cross the finish line. I can just, I can think of countless teammates that have just, uh, they've just inspired hundreds um, seeing their seeing their journey culminate in that finish line. So yeah, I would say probably the top five or 10 <laughs> would come from, from Baltimore back on my feet team. Yeah. Finishing the Baltimore marathon. That's such a great day with thousands of people coming out and supporting runners and, and, and that back on my feet experience is amazing. And that's when I ran my first one was and majority mm -hmm. of my training I did with back on my feet. And yeah. there's something about running and then just the marathon in general, like you said, one foot in front of the other. 
and then building that confidence. I just remember you talked about earlier that that feeling of accomplishment when you do a marathon. Other things in life that might at one point have felt challenging or they might be difficult, but you have that in the back of your mind, like I did a marathon, mm-hmm. I can do anything. Right. And and seeing that from from the the members through back of my feet, seeing that transformation, it's amazing. It, it's life changing and. And that was always a special day for back of my feet and for Baltimore. That's really awesome. Now, I know we just passed, you know, the day that the Boston Marathon was supposed to be uh, held, but it got postponed. Right. Have you ever run Boston? I have. Yes. Um, I think I ran it too early to really understand what a big deal it was. Um, so I'm absolutely grateful for the experience and it, you know, lives up to every bit of the hype. But yeah, I mean, it was, I don't know, my second, third, fourth marriage. Like it was very early on that I was like, oh, sweet, I qualified. I'll just, I'll just go. <laughs> Not really realizing, you know, just how, how big of an honor um, it was to be there. And so, yeah, I mean, I can't say that I would, I would do anything differently. I just, you know, or, or maybe I would, I would wait a few more years to, to go back there to really just understand the magnitude of it. But yeah, it is, it is a legendary race for sure. One day, I hope I get a chance to run it. I, it's not on the top of my list right now, but I just just to go there and experience it would be really special. Yeah. But I think part of it is like, I would love to qualify for it. You know, it makes it like mm-hmm. more special. Sure. You know, it has that allure because not everyone can do it. I mean, I guess, I guess you can, you know, fundraise for a, a worthy cause and, and get a bib that way. But qualifying, there's something special about that. Um, there's more work to be done there if I, if I want to do that. So you've run a lot of marathons, had a lot of experience with that. Do you have like a pre-race meal that you go to the night before where you're like, this is solid, it treats me well, helps me have a good race? As I've gotten older, it just, you know, you learn a little bit more. I've been experimenting a little bit more. I mean, I do feel like uh, my mainstay, especially as an Italian, will probably always be pasta, um, of of some variation, um, but have also done rice and vegetables and potatoes. So yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I traditionally have relied on pasta, but as I've gotten older, I've been willing to at least kind of learn a little bit more test the limits of, (laughs) of what my body can handle and kind of figure out what the maybe more optimal pre race meal is. And what's your your big post race after you hit that PR or you run a really hard marathon? What's your big post race meal? Your post race like treat that you like to enjoy? Oh, this is such a running nerd answer, but I have discovered Huma recovery gels um, or recovery smoothies, and again, kind of learning more about the process and the physiology and you know what your body is doing and going through been doing some reading up on them and they have really enjoyed being able to kind of have them immediately after a run. Um, I think they're delicious. They're chia based. They're vegan, you know, especially with young kiddos, uh, you, you know, you come in from a run or workout and it's like two hours before you get to eat anything, which is not ideal when you're trying to recover. So, um, it's something super quick that is, you know, ready made and you can just, um, have it right away. And so I've really come to enjoy those and relied on them in my training. 
That's new. I've never heard of that one before. That's a good, that's a good thing to look into. Yeah, they do. Um, they, I switched over to them, um, for their gels and nutrition, um, during the marathon. And then it's like a bigger pouch they have for, for recovery and it's packed with protein and carbs and it's all natural. How do you fuel during the marathon? So you stick with mainly those gels and water? That's also been a learning process as, as I come to respect and, and appreciate the marathon. Because I've definitely made a lot of mistakes in this area, and I think it's such such a fine balance. Uh, at least in my most recent marathon, I uh, found a good flow with um, a combination of Martin. So I had a few water bottles filled with Martin that I took along the way. I didn't get all of them down, but um, it was helpful to have fluids and carbs um, in a pretty easily digestible format. And then I did the Huma gels. I think I had um, three or four of them along the way, and then water. Um, and that seemed to be a good combo yeah morton i think that's how you say it. it's like a german mm-hmm. yeah swedish you're yeah. swedish and that's all the rage and and that's like basically you get your slow digesting carbs electrolytes and hydration all in one mix right isn't that the the idea behind it right yep and i think that's the one that elliot kipchoge uses so of course everyone wants to use it right i know i know yeah but it's it's been interesting to kind of look into the science and kind of understand a little bit more about it and um you know anyone can kind of throw a gel out there but to understand you know what kind of sugar is best what kind of um you know nutrients your body is going to respond best best to or not respond best to you know it just that can that can make or break your race your pace sure it's a science experiment the last thing you want to have is where you don't get the nutrition right and then you bonk. Um, that definitely happened to me when I did Philly. I remember for the Baltimore Marathon, I used mostly, I think it was like hammer gels and water and maybe a little bit of Gatorade, which I probably wouldn't do that now today. But um, And then during Philly, I was like, oh, there's these electrolyte pills. I'll just take these and drink water. Well, I didn't get enough calories and bonked pretty hard at the end of that. Yeah. Experience helps in so many ways, especially with getting that nutrition part um, locked in, which which is very important. Yeah, it's fun to kind of understand the science of, of the balance of, of electrolytes and sugar and water and, you know, in the right combination at the right time. It definitely has resulted in some massive disappointments, but some really important learning experiences. So Jackie, let's get into a few final questions. We're we're still kind of on the topic of the marathon, so let's, I'll, I'll stick with that for about one more. What would your goal, or what are, is your next goal related to the marathon, either for 2020 or 2021, whenever you get that opportunity to race again? You know, what are you looking to accomplish in the marathon? Well, right now it's it's taking a step back at a um, pretty long training season. Um, I started last. February or so. And, um, yeah, just was going to try to try to get back into it and see if I could give these old wheels a go. Um, I thought maybe I had one more shot in me to PR maybe, maybe, or if not come really close, you know, I'm not, not spring chicken and, you know, kind of thought, uh, maybe you're just old and washed up, but, um, let's see how close you can get. And so, um, yeah, started training back in February of, uh, of last year. And, you know, I've had some amazing training sessions. It's been an, an incredible journey um, to, to learn about myself and limitations or what I think are limitations and, you know, just understanding the sport, falling in love with the sport all over again, being absolutely humbled and kind of, you know, going back to the drawing board and learning about training and your body and 
yeah, I mean, it's just been a very incredible year. A lot of disappointments, which, you know, comes with the territory and makes you stronger, but ultimately culminated in, um, in a pretty big PR this past February in Phoenix. And so, um, so right now it's been really nice to just to take a step back and, and not have a goal and kind of do whatever fits into family life which, you know, after being so obsessively laser focused for, for so long, um, is, is just kind of a, a nice and different space to be in with running. So I can't say I have, I have a bigger, better goal for 2020. I'm not sure if I can top that, but yeah, just, just regrouping and, and enjoying the sport in a different way for now. That's a great answer. What was the PR in Phoenix? I know you're super humble and you don't want to say it, but I'm going to ask. <sighs> 248. Wow. That's incredible. You say you're no spring chicken, but look at the Olympic marathon trials where one of the men was like in his 40s and he qualified. It was it was so so inspiring to watch, and you know, also just kind of tracking the 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 women's field. A lot of those women are in their mid to late 30s as well. You know, their parents they are you know professionals. Like it was just really inspiring to see to to again kind of test and understand the limitations of your body that like, you know, are you just imposing this on yourself or um, could you, could you really dream bigger? So yeah, so inspired by that entire field. And I think it is, you know, trending, trending older, you're more durable, you have more miles on your legs. Um, you just have more experience, especially with the beast of the marathon, just learning and understanding. And so, um, you know, I think that's something that works to our advantage for, for those of us who are, who are Absolutely. And I can't remember the one female athlete's name, but I think she has a a few kids and she, I believe she runs for Hoka and she was in her forties and she was running, I believe she finished in like maybe the top 15 at the the Olympic trials. So like you said, more experience, people are getting faster and they're still competing at a very high level, you know, at ages that we usually didn't think of previously. The Olympic trials for the marathon was like one of the last positive, feel-good memories where we didn't have to think about where we are now with the coronavirus. So that leads me into the question, how are you approaching your running right now with the coronavirus? You know, having uh, moved our family out here to Ohio, it's I don't have the same social running networks as I did back in Baltimore. And so it has been a lot of solo running, which fortunately or unfortunately bodes well in these times. I'm very grateful again to, to have fallen in love with a sport that still offers me the opportunity to get out. I don't need a gym. I don't, you know, I don't need a membership to, you know, to, to a studio. Um, I can just get out and run. I mean, I also, you know, grateful to be in a country where, where that's still allowed. Um, you know, it's certainly not the case around the world. And so it's not excessive. It's, you know, just kind of getting out as I'm able to, or as I can and whatever pace I feel like, but just, um, to kind of get out and move and enjoy the day. Um, yeah, is, is quite a blessing, especially when it's, you know, maybe your only time to get outside. That's so true. Like you said, if you look at it worldwide, we're lucky and fortunate in that way. And really where we are, you just need a pair of shoes and you don't have to be as structured right now. And you kind of already said you were on a break since, you know, the big PR in Phoenix. That's a great approach. So it's more about like finding time for yourself in the day, which I'm sure you don't get a lot of time just for yourself and and getting out of the house when we're all, you know, basically at home. So that's, that's a great approach to it. I find that it's giving me some me time as well, but also just just to get out and get moving and just have that that healthy choice rather than maybe 
watch the news or, or pay attention to too much of the of the negative news cycle right now. So right, right. that's really good a way to approach the current situation. So we've talked a lot about running. Uh, a couple more questions here. What do you like to do when you're not running? I really like to eat. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, th- I mean, I think my, my most favorite pastime is, is being with the kiddos and getting to play with them. And again, I mean, I, I recognize the necessity that, that running is for my own mental health and, and rhythm. Um, and so, you know, trying to run when it's not taking away from time that would otherwise be spent with them because um, there's just uh, nothing more valuable than that. And how do you think running helps you as a parent? Um, I know that it makes me a better parent. Um, like I said, it is, it's tough to kind of juggle the, the balance of like taking an hour away to go run that you could spend with them. But when you can come back and you are less irritable, less anxious, less short, I think that's, that's far more important. You know, for me kind of, I'm, I'm grateful to, to have a partner who also enjoys running and we kind of, you know, especially through the epidemic, but, you know, throughout our relationship, like it's, it's always kind of been like a respected priority, um, regardless of where we're at in the training, training cycle. I know that you want to run today and I want to run today. How do we make this happen um, and kind of schedule our day around it? So, you know, I think it's something that makes us both better parents and, you know, I'm grateful for someone who recognizes that, that priority. So, yeah, I mean, I think just that structure and, and the clear head and finding the space to, to reset sometimes um, after long days or tantrums or, or whatever it might be. I think it just has become a necessity. But I also I am I'm so grateful that it's a sport to get to enjoy with them. You know, and I know there's plenty of sports you can do that with. But, you know, for kids this young, like just to see them latch on and to like you know, get down in the three-point stance when we get out because they want to go run races up and down the sidewalk or, you know, they see mommy coming back and, uh, and, and, and running and, you know, she goes out for her run. Maybe it's by myself or maybe we just all get in the stroller together. You know, I don't think there's anything that makes my heart grow, you know, three sizes more than going for a family run. Like it's something that we, you know, for as individual as it can be, it's something that can, is absolutely shared, shared as a family too. And it's, um, you know, it's a joy to get to, in a tiny, in a tiny way, get to share that passion with them. When you run as a parent and your children see that you're just setting a positive example for wellness and health and fitness. And it's great. And, and my daughter, Maddie, who's five now, Sometimes she'll just be like run around like, dad, time me. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> well, we don't need to get that serious, but okay. I like, and I'll give her like the little, the little cross country meet, like start I'm like runners ready. Yeah. Like, oh, she, loves it. she has so much fun with that. Oh. And what you were saying about before is having, uh, you know, a partner that understands that running is a priority. That sounds like a lot of conversations that my wife, Melissa and I have where it's like, are you running today? Okay, we're both running today. All right, let's let's fit this in. Let's schedule it in and let's make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Because when you get that time, I feel like you're a, a little bit calmer. You have more patience, mm-hmm. and you can be present with your kids. And on days where maybe I don't run, I might not have that same level of patience. And I wish I could run every day, but I I, I have never really been a seven day a week person. It's something special that happens when you run, especially when you get out there and you just let go of whatever tension or stress that might be bothering you. And you come back, you're able to parent in a much more caring manner. At least I think so. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. 
So much of what we talked about today, Jackie, probably covers this final question. Why do you love running? I love running because of how empowering it is. It's just a countless amount of times that, you know, running has kind of stepped in and changed the way I think, the way I work, the way I coach, you know, just with the simple three words of, of I did it. Like I, I did it. What else, what else could you do? Yeah. in so many respects is one of the most empowering things. I'm very biased in thinking, you know, that you, that you could do or endeavor to do, but yeah, I mean, I just think that that is such a gift and, and you can't contain it. You know, so many times it just, you know, it starts with running. It starts with this one little mile, this one little race that you decide to do. And it just spills out into all these other aspects of your life. And I just, I can't think of anything else that, that is as empowering in that same kind of way. That's a great way to encompass running. And I think that a lot of people out there that are listening would agree with you. So Jackie, I think that's a good place to end our conversation. If someone wanted to learn more about your running story, are you even on social media? (laughs) I would say the best way is to call me up to go for a run. (laughs) Not on Facebook, not on Instagram. I'm terrible with texts, um, but I will run for miles with you. That's a great response. And that's, that's what makes you, you. That's awesome. Jackie, thank you so much for coming on the For Love of Running podcast. I really had a great time reconnecting with you and learning more about your running story. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jeremy. It was, it was a gift. Wow. What an amazing person and interview. Jackie had so many pearls of wisdom to share throughout her running story, from elementary school through college, and now to her love of the marathon. You can hear her passion for the sport throughout the interview. I would imagine this is an episode you can listen to again and again and learn something new each time. She is a humble person who doesn't boast about her running. I'm grateful for Jackie agreeing to be on the podcast. Thanks to you for listening to this episode of For the Love of Running. You have a lot of podcast choices out there. I appreciate you choosing this one. If you like what you hear, please share this with your running community and connect with us on our social media channels. Until next time, I'm your host, Jeremy Stevens. Happy running!